How are you guys doing today? Listen, if my shoes come off at some point, just excuse me. It's been a long day. It's like that mother on the video. I think I'm done trying to be cute today. <laughs> but happy Mother's Day again to all the moms in the place. And um, I was, I, it's always a difficult uh, time, not because, I mean, you know, we're excited, okay, it's Mom's Day, but we know that it's, also, it's not as exciting for everyone, right? Because there are those moms who have lost a child, you know, whether it's uh, already grown, whether it's at stillbirth, whether it's through a miscarriage. Um, and we want to honor you too, because we know that you have that baby that's still your baby. They may be a baby in heaven, but they're still your baby. And then there are those that are still waiting for the promised child. So we want to honor you women today and, and know that even though there may be different feelings in the air, right? We all maybe have a different take on Mother's Day. The thing that we can all agree upon is that we have a father in heaven who loves us beyond what we can love anyone else, right? We have a father in heaven that loves us beyond our strife, beyond our pain, beyond the shortcomings. Uh, he is there, just kind of like that video, but even better, you know, with unconditional love always. So I want to honor you all this morning. And um, as we were preparing, or as I was preparing for today and this message for mothers, I, I didn't want to just bring a message that was just for moms. Because even though I am a mom, the truth is that the majority of us here are not, right? You know, whether you're a man or because you just haven't had a child yet, many of us aren't. And I was thinking, okay, God, you know, mothers are important. And motherhood is important. And there is something to learn there. But what? can we share with your people today that would be as impactful for everyone else and the message that God gave me is is one that I feel like he gave to me and what I mean by that is he not only made me feel it but he like hit me on the head with it and 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 he is ministering and working this in my life and he is challenging me with this and I believe that if he's challenging me and if that he was kind enough to be like uh this is something that you got to work on and pay attention to I believe that he's going to be able to speak to some of you this morning and that will be up to God to do, right? But in this morning, we want to talk about the mother of mothers or the ultimate mother, right? There's a lot of mothers in the Bible, and there's a lot of great examples in the Bible of motherhood, and there's a lot that we can learn. But there is a mother that I think we all know that is maybe the most famous mother in the Bible, and that's Mary, the mother of Jesus. And she's the mother of mothers because she was the one out of all history, out of all humanity, was the one that was chosen to carry God, to carry the God of the universe, to be like, hey, you're going to carry the weight of everyone else in the form of a baby and then birth him and then raise him to be the one who is going to save all of humanity. And as I was thinking about this, I was like, man, like, you know, I read the story and I'm like, what kind of job is that? <laughs> right? Like, how do you approach someone to tell them, hey, I have a job for you and the job is for you to carry the God who created you? The job is for you to carry the one who made everything, the one who knows everything, the one that is all powerful. That is the job that I have for you. That is the assignment that I have for you. Like, what are the requirements? Like, if you go and you look up job description, what is on that job description for someone who's going to carry the God of the universe? And I think Mary was able to carry God. And just like Mary, as believers, as people who call ourselves believers or followers of Christ, God is asking us to, to give birth too. And God is asking us to give birth of to give birth to God in our generation. 
God is asking us to just like Mary, just like Mary did, to carry God into wherever your sphere of influence is, to carry God into your family, to carry God into your workplace, to carry God into your school, to carry God to your children, mothers and fathers, and those who have nieces and nephews and grandchildren, whatever. God is asking us to carry him just like Mary carried him. But what are the qualifications, right? What do you need? What kind of spirit, what kind of mind do you need to be someone that can carry God? The truth is that many people on, our, on this earth are desperate. They may not say it because they don't know that that's what it means, but they are desperate to know a God that loves them. They are desperate to know that there is a God that takes them just as they are and he loves them no matter what and he is able to love them out of every and any situation. People are desperate to know that there is not only a God, but that there is a church of people who are willing to go where they are, who are willing to be God for them. But how will people know if nobody tells them? Right? How will people know if no one shares this? If we don't carry God, how will people receive him? We know that he's all-powerful. We know that God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. Yes, God can do it like this. If any of you guys seen Endgame, he can do it. But he wants to use us. How great is it that the God that created the universe was able to say to a young girl who was probably more worried about her wedding than she was being a mother, able to say, hey, I have chosen you to carry God. And in that same way, how good is it that that same God that created us, that created everything, is willing to say to you, to me, hey, I want to use you to carry me into other places. So when we talk about mothers and we talk about the process of birthing, the truth is that as believers, we are called to give birth as well. And if you're a CEO, you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're just a co-worker, if you go to school, if you're a kid, if you're an adult, wherever you work, it doesn't matter if you're a boy, it doesn't matter if you're a girl, we are all called to give birth to God in our generation and into this world. God wants to use us. And I want us to read in Luke chapter 1, and I know that this verse is... This part of scripture, usually we reserve it for Christmas, right? It's usually the story of Christmas. But I want us to look at Luke chapter 1 today, starting from verse 26. And I want us to look at the story of how Mary begins or comes to carry God. So it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. It wasn't even Mary, it was a virgin. And the virgin's name was Mary. That was important. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be? since I'm a virgin. In other words, did you fail biology? In order to have a child, there had to be something that happened. How in the world am I going to be able to carry and give birth to a baby if I am a virgin? But the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. No pressure. 
And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month of, with her who, has called, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. So Mary said, I guess, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So let's recap. An angel shows up, right, to this young girl that, like I said earlier, was probably thinking more about wedding plans and preparing and the dress and the guest list, you know, that darn guest list and the seating chart. She was worried more about that probably than becoming a mother. The last thing on her mind was, hey, so one of these days God's going to drop by and he's going to let me know I'm going to be a mom. No, she wasn't thinking about that. But the angel shows up to this Mary to just to tell her, hey, I want you to be this. You're this ordinary girl, but I've chosen you to become a mother. I've chosen you to carry God. And it's just like God to choose someone ordinary to choose someone who doesn't have anything special to be the one that he uses to carry him. When God is looking for someone who can do something, he's not necessarily looking for extraordinary. He's looking for ordinary people. What he's really looking for is people who are saying, God, I am willing to make a space for you to come in and do whatever you want to do. What he is looking is for people who are saying, God, I am available and I am willing for you to come in Make space, make room here, and do something. He's not looking for what you have, what you don't have. He's looking for, are you saying, God, I'm available. And she's a teenage girl who was so ready to say yes to this God-sized assignment. But something that I think about every time I read this is, how is it that this angel showed up and Mary didn't drop dead? Because if we're, if we can think about this, this is not an angel like the one we see on TV. You know, we see nice angels on TV dressed in white, a nice little halo, some cute, cute little, you know, wings coming in like, oh, the harp, you know, all that type of stuff. Like, this is not that kind of angel. We're talking about a being that is greater, that's a real giant, that is bigger than anything that we've ever seen. Imagine a building. Whew, just show up in your house like she did not drop dead if any of us had a visitation from an angel this morning we probably had to change our underwear before we got here right so the fact that she did not drop dead the fact that this angels just showed up and she's like let's have a conversation lets me know that she was accustomed to this type of visitation it lets me know that this was not the first time it was not foreign to her if we read the verse, she was troubled because she was like, okay, so what you going to tell me today? <laughs> What's the message today? It wasn't, get out of here. It was, I know who you are. What are you trying to tell me today? Even though from the outside, Mary was ordinary, she was an ordinary girl who had made it a custom to make room for God. She was an ordinary girl that was young, had no idea what it meant to be a mom, had no idea what labor would be like, had no idea what it even meant to be with a man, had no idea what it meant, like my mother-in-law says, what it means to wake up next to a man. She had no idea. Yeah, you know, she's she wild. No idea, yet she was accustomed to open a, opening up space to God. So when the angel came with a big ask, she was like, probably hesitant like any of us would be but she said let it be I'm your servant let it be to me 
according to your word. She was ready to say yes to God. And it wasn't anything sweet, right? But it was just that he was a, she was able to kind of have that encounter with God. And the angel says something important to her. He says, you know, you're favored, right? The Lord is with you. And I know that we hear that word favor a lot and we use it sometimes, we pray for it. And we think of favor like something so nice, you know, so sweet, so it makes us feel good. And I'm thinking when the angel came and said, hey, you are favored, it was with a, hey, by the way, I'm about to ruin your life. I'm about to jack up your dreams. I'm about to hijack whatever you thought the plans were for your life. I'm going to turn it all around. And what's going to happen in your life is not what you had planned, is not what you were thinking about, is not even what you probably prayed for or asked God or even wanted. But you got favor. The thing is that favor, we want favor because we want good, we want blessings, we want stuff. And God is saying favor. Favor is not for status. Favor is for purpose. When God says that he's going to favor you, when you ask God to favor you, you got to be ready to know that it's, it's going to mean that he's going to make you uncomfortable because the purpose of favor is to have you walk in purpose, not to give you a status. God will give us favor. He will make us look better than what we really are. He will put us in places and open up opportunities that we cannot open for ourselves, but it is all to make him famous. It is all to make him known. It is all to bring glory to him. And I don't know if you're like me, I ask for God's favor all the time, but now I'm kind of afraid. I'm like, maybe I should like, hold off. <laughs> maybe I should hold off until I'm a little bit ready to ask for this because, you know, I don't know what you're going to walk me into. She says, you're favored. She's like, I'm a, he's like, I'm about to mess up your life and I'm asking you to do something. And this is a serious task. I'm asking you to stop being comfortable. I'm asking you to probably get in uncomfortable places so that you can birth God into humanity that's going to need him. What a big assignment. Talk about no pressure. The truth is that Mary's call came with risks and it came with a lot of pressure. I don't know if any of you have ever had a job, a high pressure job, you know, like a, I can't be a salesperson because I'm kind of like, you don't want it, that's cool, fine, like, let's keep moving. But if you are in sales, it's a high pressure job because you've always got a goal and a quota to meet, right? And if you did good, you gotta do even better next month. Like it's always, it's high pressure. If you're the boss, it's a high pressure. People, people, people are crazy, you know? That's high pressure. If you've been a doctor, hello, you've got somebody's life in your hands, that's a lot of pressure. The job that Mary was saying yes to was gonna be probably the highest pressure. She was gonna carry the God of the universe. She was gonna be the, carry the one that was called holy the one that is God and God wants to open opportunities for us but he wants to open opportunities so that we can birth him into our generation so that we can birth him to the people around us he wants us to be carriers of God just like Mary because we have the holy spirit inside so we are his carriers the question is are we giving birth are we birthing him and when you give birth we all know that a woman that has a baby grows Right? She starts off little, you don't know, and a couple weeks later and a couple months into it, the belly is big. Right? That's the sign that a baby is growing and a baby is getting ready to come out. So God is saying, I'm going to call you to be my carrier. I'm going to call you to birth me, but are you ready to grow? Are you ready to be stretched? Are you ready to be taken out of your comfort zone and pushed into places where it's probably not what you had planned, where it's probably not comfortable, but it's going to be the place that I want to call you to? Are you ready to be stretched? Are you ready to grow? 
The thing is that a lot of us as believers, and I think about myself because like I said in the beginning, this message was for me. So I'm preaching this, but trust me, God, God had to take all of this to me. Some of us as believers have gotten so comfortable, we feel like God came to make us safe, to make us feel good, to make it easy, to make us comfortable. And God's plan was never to make us comfortable. God's plan was never for us to accumulate things. His plan was for us to be dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. His plan was for us to step in to the places where nobody else wants to step in and say, hey, we cannot do this with our own strength, but we know a God. We know a God who can. We know a God who is able. That he wants us to walk into marriages that are broken and say, it seems like it's irreconcilable, but I know a God who restores. I know a God who brings love back. I know a God who forgives all sin, whose love covers a multitude of sins. I know a guy. He wants us to be those people. But I think if you're like me, we're so comfortable being comfortable. I mean, I already got enough stuff on my plate. <laughs> right? Don't ask me to do one more thing. God wants to use us. He wants to use the ordinary. And a lot of us are probably thinking, man, but I just got all this other stuff and I can't. You know, like, I don't know how many of us were ever told that we could. Maybe no one ever said you can't, but the circumstances around you made it seem like you couldn't, right? Maybe growing up in poverty. Maybe growing up looking down upon. Maybe thinking that, oh, you were dumb or whatever. I don't know. Whatever the situation is, some of us have that there and we feel like that is our deterrent. But God wants you to know today that your history does not define your destiny. Whatever happened before, whatever you have done to this point, it does not have to define what God wants to do in your life because he is able to do something new. He is able to restore. So the angel comes to Mary and says, fear not, do not fear. And I'm thinking, okay, so you come and you drop in, by the way. Then you tell her, by the way, you're, gonna, you're a virgin, I know, but you're about to carry God and you're about to birth him. You're going to have to go and be shamed in front of everybody like the girl who was sleeping around and was having sex before marriage and now is carrying a baby to the point that you can be stoned to death, marginalized by your community. Go to your fiance that you probably love very much and know that he might decide that he doesn't want to marry you. I'm telling you all that and the best that the angel could say was don't fear. And I'm like, he could have given her a little bit more, a little bit more than that. But he told her, do not fear. He said, do not fear. And I'm telling you, do not fear because the thing is that fear is the thing that crushes potential. The biggest problem against potential is fear. We see it over and over again in the Bible, in the story of the Israelites. Every time God told them, hey, I'm going to take you here, I'm going to do this. They're like, yeah, God, we're going. On the way, something happens, right? And then the fear kicks in and it's like, you know what? Let's turn back around. It, it was better over there. Maybe this wasn't from God. Because every time that we are going through a transition in life, that's when the enemy likes to step in and start making things happen to make us be afraid. And every transition is when we feel like all hell has broken loose against our lives. When we decide to say yes to something, things go wrong, problems begin, and it's too much for us. And the fear kicks in and we're like, never mind, I can't do this. The greatest deterrent to our potential is fear. So the angel says, do not fear. Because whatever you can see as a barrier, I can do something about it. We go through this season of, God, I don't want to do this. Right? God is calling me to step into his purposes. Or maybe he's showing me this thing over here. And he wants to stretch me into something new. But it seems like everything is going wrong. And God says, do not fear. 
But to carry God into our generation, we know it's going to come at a cost. And many of us don't want to lose our friends, right? We're worried about what our coworkers would think. We're worried about what our friends would say, what our family is going to say. We're, gonna, we're worried about how it's going to look and, and how I'm going to do this. All valid, you know, worries. But those things take priority over what God says. The question is really, are you willing to pay the price? Maybe you've been in a situation when God is calling you and he's showing you something that he wants you to do. Or maybe you see a situation and you're like, maybe I should do something about that, but my life is very full. It's not a convenient time right now, right? You don't have time. And you say, God, I don't, I can't, you know, I, I, I don't even know how to do that. I, I don't have enough time for that. You know, I don't really have the money for that, but the people, they're not going to listen to me. Look, the people are not responding to what I'm saying. I, I don't have the money that I need. My kids, you know, is that I have kids. You know, there's not enough time. God, I have enough stuff on my plate. You know, we come to God with all these things and all these buts and, and all these different problems, all these different reasons why we can't something. And just like Moses, Moses was like, but God, I, I, I'm not, you know, I can't do this, God, but I'm not eloquent of speech. And I, and I was just thinking, I'm sure that God was probably like, oh, man, you don't know how to speak, Moses. That was what I was, that was what I was depending on. Because God comes to us and asks of us, and the first thing we tell him is why we can't. Like if he didn't know what the barriers and limitations that we have are. He knows you got kids. He knows you got a job. He knows you have other stuff. But if he gave you something in your hand, it's because he knows that he will allow you to do it if you just open up the space for him. But we come with all the buts. Mary is like, but I'm a virgin. Oh, but I'm 40. Oh, but God, these kids don't let me live. All the buts. And I just think that in the body of Christ, we need a batectomy. We just need to get rid of the buts too many butts I've got too many butts I've got too many butts for God and I was saying the Spanish girl this morning that I feel like I live in the land of butts it sounds bad but I live in the land of butts it doesn't, butt is not butt in Spanish so that's why it doesn't sound bad where I could be in that land for months dwelling and circling around something that I know God says but I've got all the butts and all the reasons to back it up and I'm just circling there wasting time Allowing more doubt to creep in, allowing the enemy to gain ground and feeling bad about myself at the same time because I kind of know I should have done something about it, but I'd rather not do it because it was too much and it was going to take my time. God is saying, are you willing to birth me into this generation? Are you willing to bring me in? And, you know, our, our, our butts sound like, you know, they sweet. They sound like, you know, we're so humble because, God, you know, it's not, I, I'm not the one. But the truth is that our butts are pride. Our butts are pride because it's us saying, My limitations are greater than what you can do. When we tell God, Oh, but God, I can't, it's saying, God, the things that I cannot do, all the things in my in my life, my limitations are greater than you. So go somewhere else with that. Even though you're the God of the universe, even though you can do all things, even though I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When I said all things, I meant all the things that I want to do, God. Not all the things that you're asking me to do. And it's hard. I think, man, how much more could we do if we just said yes? And this is not a direct message to anyone. This is a message for me. This is God telling me, you've got too many buts. Yeah, you're doing something good, but there's still too many buts because you're limiting me to a box of what I can do when I can do a lot more than that if you would make room for me to do it. 
And when I grew up, I don't know about you, you know, you grow up with all these fears. Like my, my mom was like a, a, a fear person, like don't cross the street, don't open the door, you know, you, you can't do anything. No, no, no. like you know, everything was like, oh, be careful, like el cupo, you know, you know, Spanish. Like somebody's out to get a boogeyman. It was so much fear and in our society, we are, we, are, we are put in that situation, right? In our society, it's a society about being safe, about keeping, you know, not taking too many risks, about, you know, doing everything, you know, just low risk and all that kind of stuff. And that's what is ingrained in us. And it's like if we are so afraid to live our lives because of fear. We don't want to step out of the boat. We don't want to take risks. But is there really anything safe about living? The number one statistic is death. One out of every person dies. Every person that lives dies. Death is inevitable, but we're living this life like if we're not gonna die. You ever been on an airplane and you're on the flight and everything's going good and all of a sudden the pilot is on the thing? Ladies and gentlemen, don't panic. Okay, okay, first of all, if you start with don't panic, panic is on right now. Panic button, uh, what's going on? Why are you telling us not to panic? Flying is risky. Any of you been, you know, some, some of us have some situations with flying, you know, in turbulence. I'm not gonna point any elbows over there, but uh, some of us are a little better, even though lately, like, I guess he's rubbing off on me. Lately, I'll be like, okay, let me not, let me not show him any weakness, but Lord, come on, you better do something about this. It's terrible. Where were we coming from? Michigan, no, from Chicago. And it was like, I was like, oh, Jesus, not today, Lord. I got to get home to my kids. You know, not today, devil, not today. But it's scary. Flying is risky. But driving a car is risky. How many car accidents don't you see every day? Drive, walking across the street is risky. How many people aren't, how many pedestrians aren't killed? If you're an athlete, you're always at risk to getting hurt and your career ending, playing a game, doing a sport that you love, it's risky. How many of us don't know people who have been divorced or have ourselves been divorced? Marriage is risky. Love is risky. How many of us haven't had children that they've turned their backs on us? Having children is, everything in life is risky. Everything comes with risk. So what are we gonna do? Are we gonna sit back and do nothing and not live because of fear? No. What we're gonna do is that we're gonna take risks. We're gonna take the risk because everything in life is risky. Everything comes with risk. Being a Christian in this century is risky. People are arguing and, and everything that you say is a, oh, you know, an attack. It's risky to proclaim the truth of God. If you wanna declare the truth of God's word, if you wanna, if you wanna uphold marriage, if you wanna do this, oh, look at you, you're hateful, you're discriminating everything, it is risky. So I'm not telling you that it's going to be easy. There's a cost. It is risky to carry God. But just like Mary who was favored, who said yes to the God assignment, guess what happened to Mary? She was able to carry the God that we still preach about today because he saved you and me. The God that saved the whole universe, the God that died for everyone. If she would have said no, where would we be today? Where would we be if she would have said no? So it's not gonna come comfortable, it's not gonna come easy, it might not always feel good, it might not be nice. But God did not bring us to this world just to be safe. He didn't bring us just to feel good. Some of us live so safely, like if the purpose of life is to arrive to death safely. 
no risk because I just want you know I want to die good I got the house I got the car and now that I've got everything accumulated you know death is coming and now I'm gonna drop in the coffin safely we act like if the purpose of life is to arrive to death safely because remember that death is inevitable right death is the only life is the only thing that we don't come out of alive the only thing everything is risky and we're so focused on living it safe and we're so afraid about dying and God is saying what you should be afraid of is arriving to death and not having lived the fullness of the purpose that God had for you instead of being afraid of dying you should fear that when you get to death you're gonna have done nothing significant with your time you should be afraid that God put something in your hands and you want to do something great with it and you, were will, you weren't willing to because you couldn't take the risk or you were afraid and you got to death so safe. That's what we should fear. And we're worried about our time. You know, and, and even James, he says, he's like, what are you stressed out about? Life is but a vapor. You're here today, you're gone tomorrow. You know, just because you live safe yesterday doesn't mean you won't die tomorrow. You know, and, and everything, I mean, I'm, you got to take care of stuff. You got to do all precautions. You got to do all that stuff. But, it, it, you know, when God wants to do something, he's going to do it. You know, remember the big loser, that show, The Big Loser? One of the, one of the, this shocked me because I was like, it's a lie. The, um, one of the trainers had a heart attack a couple years ago. I'm like, bro, you worked out like crazy. You see, I don't want to work out. I got a heart attack if I do what I do. There's no guarantees, right? So are we not going to live? because of fear that coffin is not gonna matter <laughs> the thing is that we all believe that we are a product of time but we're really a product of eternity God plucked us out of eternity and he put us into time with gifts and talents that we can use during the time that we are here when this ends it's not really over but the time that you had to use those gifts and talents is we're a product of eternity, not of time. So we've got to stop living like if the only thing that matters is the time that we have right now. And remember that we're trying to get to eternity with some crowns on our head. And there's going to be some work that we need to do here. God did not go through the trouble of coming and living and dying and bleeding and all of that just for us to be safe. Just for us to be comfortable. We're made for the right now. You're made for a time just like this. The baton of faith is in your hands. You don't need a big word from God, and you don't need a preacher to come to you. You don't need a prophet. You don't need a special call. If you are alive, it means you have a call. How do you know if you're alive? If you wake up in the morning and there is not a white chalk around your body. That means you're alive. And if you're alive, that means the baton is in your hand. You don't need anyone to give you permission. You have the responsibility to carry and birth God to the people around you. And God may not be asking you to go to Africa, but you go to work every day. You go to school every day. You have people in your home. You have people in your family. Start there. Start with the people around you. Just be Jesus to them. Just love them like you can. Tell them that there's a God to love them. Tell them there's a God that can step into their situation. If you don't know what to say, just say, hey, can I pray with you? And you Or pray for you. You pray on your own. You begin to pray. And God will help you create the space. But are you willing? Are you available? He says, do not fear. Right? There's no excuses because you can start bad and finish good through a relationship with Christ. 
doesn't matter what happened before. You can finish good with Jesus. And the most, the strongest force in the world is not whatever the world tells us, not a missile, it's not any of that. The strongest force in the world is the blood of Jesus. It has, it will, and it, it is, and it always will be freeing people. And we've got the blood of Jesus on our side. It is the strongest thing that we can have. So Mary, do not fear. Take a risk. Jump out of the boat. Get ready to be interrupted. And many of us don't grow and many of our churches don't grow because we are unwilling to have our life interrupted. We're unwilling to allow inconveniences. We're all on a road to somewhere that is leading to nowhere. unwilling to be interrupted. I got a plan for my life. I got to do this. My kids need this and I'm going to take them to this practice. I'm going to do this. All great things and I've got this job and I'm trying to save this money. I'm trying to buy this house and I got to go on this vacation because I got to make it to Greece before I turn 40 because that's what I put on my bucket list. You know, so many things that are great, that are awesome, that I would love to do. I want to go to Greece too. But all those things are taking priority over what God has told us. And we're so unwilling to let our life be interrupted and inconvenienced. And at the moment that something goes wrong, we run and we turn back and we hide because fear comes. But let me tell you that the enemy is going to do that if you allow him to you got to step into it and guess what when you step into it you may still be afraid and you may still be unsure I'm an unqualified person to be here and let me tell you every single time I feel unqualified and unworthy and I don't know and I'm not sure if I'm doing it right but I said yes and I get off the thing and I'll tell Will so what do you think you think that message was good or I'm hoping, can somebody please tell me something after service so I can feel a little better myself so the pressure can come down? I don't know. And sometimes you're gonna, God's gonna call you into something and it's gonna feel unsure and it's gonna be on safety and it could be years. But what's gonna change, even then you may still be unsure, is that your trust in God has changed. Is that you rely more on His supernatural ability than yours. God is calling you to step out of the boat. He wants you to be ready for an interruption. The story of the Good Samaritan is such a great story. And for those who don't know, so in the Bible, in, um, in Jesus' time, the Samaritans, which was a group of people from Samaria, they were not friends with the Jewish people. They hated each other. They didn't speak to each other. They couldn't be in community. And there's a story in the Bible about a man who was a Jewish man who was beaten and robbed and thrown, left to die on the street. And a, a priest walked by. And the priest is like, oh, man. And he really needs help, like, but I got somewhere to go. Somebody else is going to get him. And the priest left. Then a Levite passes by, which is like a worship leader, like a, another person of the church. And it's like, oh, man, I really wish I could, man. I know, I know you really need help. I really wish I could, but I can't. You know, I got things to do. My kids are waiting for me. You know, I got situations. He passed by. Then a Samaritan passes by. Samaritan knows he's a Jewish person because, you know, they would wear special things. And he's like, this guy's going to die if I don't do anything. Samaritan crosses the street takes care of him, binds up his wounds, gets him a hotel, says, pays the hotel and says, hey, he's going to be here for three days, takes care of him, feeds him. And I'm like, the story is great. And I'm like, yeah, God, you know, because we're like the Good Samaritan. Like, trying to be like, eh, eh, eh. I told you God was hitting me on the head with this message. And God says, no, you're more like the priest and the Levite than the Good Samaritan. You're so busy running to your next activity that you can't see the interruption that God is putting in your way. 
you're so busy preparing for that great message to give to your church and you're seeing those people that need you as an interruption to what God has called you to do but the truth is that I have called you to those people that are interrupting you we're so busy running from thing to thing and God wants to interrupt them and we think oh devil flee from me devil because it's the devil and sometimes God is saying no I'm the one interrupting you would you stop your busy life would you give me time to show you would you open up space would you allow yourself to be interrupted where God has put you school or work whatever that's the place where you need to cross the street that's the place where you need to birth Jesus into that place into that generation and it's time to begin to birth God in our world it really is so the question is really what are you birthing are you birthing things that have an expiration date right because the Bible says that the earth and everything in it will pass away but the word of the Lord will never pass away are we putting our energy, our time, and our emotions into things that pass away? Into things that will one day be no more? You will arrive in that, in that um, coffin very safely, but guess what? The house and everything stays. And if you got debt, like I learned yesterday, if you are married and you do not have your spouse as a beneficiary in your bank accounts, your spouse cannot access your money. But if you've got debt without your spouse, your spouse is going to get that debt when you die. I'm like, that ain't fair. You're going to arrive safely and you're going to leave the debt to everybody else. <laughs> but it's not the plan. It's not the purpose. Are we going to be able to live out what God wants to do? And if you're, waiting to, if you're waiting to be ready, because a lot of us, that's what we say to God. God, I'm not ready. And then we're like waiting. Okay, I'm going to let you know when I'm ready, God. I'll let you know. It's like a double dutch. I sucked at that game because I was never ready. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I was that person who was like, oh, I should play. Never mind, you, you go first, you go first, you go first. I was never ready. It was too much pressure to jump in and not get caught in the thing at the same time. It was too much. I was never good at double dutch because it was too much pressure. Some of us are saying, oh, God, I'm not ready. But if you're waiting to be ready, I want you to know that you never will be. And if you don't believe me, ask moms. Ask Jessica, Jessica, are you ready to give birth? Never, okay? It could be the moment on the bed and you're like, oh, no, hold on, I'm ready to go right now. Oh, my God, it's going to happen. You are never ready. But when that baby says it's going to come out, it's going to come out whether you're ready or not. <laughs> Thank God you got a doctor that's ready. <laughs> if, you're like my, my, if it's like my doctor, she was like, oh, hold on. Okay, there he goes. Boom, throw him on my chest. Like, hold up, wait a minute. He's bloody. He's dirty. Like, can you warn me next time? We're never going to be ready. So if we're waiting until the perfect time to walk into what God is saying, if we're waiting for the perfect time to give birth, let me tell you that you're going to wait forever. You are going to arrive to death with doing, by doing nothing because you're never going to be ready. So it's not about being ready. It's about being willing. It's not about being ready. I'm going to say that again. It's about being willing. It's about saying, God, I will open up a space. I will make room for you. I will allow you to come in, interrupt my life, derail my dreams, derail my plans, because I know that your plans for me are better. I know that your plans for me are good. They're full of hope and a future. They're not to bring you down. His plan for you is never to, he will mess up your life in a good way. <laughs> because a lot of times the things that we have planned for our lives are not as good as the things that he has planned for our lives. A lot of times we have lists of needs and wants, and God says, Pfft, I got something better than that. But if we're unwilling to give that up, we won't be able to walk into the better that God has. So are you willing? God says, do not fear. Do not be afraid. Because you're favored. Full of favor. Take the risk. 
because everything in life is risky. Number one statistic. You can, you can share that good news with somebody today. Every one out of one dies. Take the risk. Be ready for interruptions because the interruption may be the thing that God wants to use in your life. He wants you to be prepared to make room and give birth to Jesus to this generation, to your husband, to your kids, to your coworkers, whoever's around you, wherever you go, be ready to give birth to Jesus. And I know that it could be scary, but I just think, man, if you're the God of the universe, if you're the God that made everything, right? I gotta believe that you've got better for me. I gotta believe that there is more that you could do. I gotta believe that I have not scratched the surface. I gotta believe that what I've done in my own abilities can't be all that there is to life. I gotta believe that you're able to do more. I gotta believe that you're able to take my dreams, put them in your hands, and make something out of them if I surrender them. But God is calling us to step out of the boat. He's saying, will you allow yourself to be interrupted? Stop worrying about your schedule. How many of us make our plans for the week on Sunday, and how much of that time is for God? How much of that God is I'm going to preach to God? Hey, you know, I see there's a need in my church. I'm going to serve my church in this area. Maybe I don't feel like it. Maybe I don't want to. Maybe I'm scared. Maybe I'm nervous, but I'm going to say yes, and I'm going to trust God to handle the rest. How many of us are saying that? But the truth is that many of us are backing out and saying, I don't have time to serve the church. I can't because it's taking my time. God knows I can't do it. It's, you know, it's just not for me. Without knowing that we are closing doors to life transformation in people's lives. We're closing doors to things that God wants to do in other people. Because we can't say yes. But I understand that it's not going to be all of us that can carry the weight. Not all of us will be willing to pay the, the price. But I hope that this morning you're able to say, God, I don't have it figured out. I don't know, but I'm going to trust you. So this morning, I want to ask you to be on your feet. And right where you are, I want you to just begin to speak to God and say, God, here I am. Maybe you're the person that's full of fear, like I am most of the time. Maybe you're the person that has been waiting or maybe you already know, you know what God has been stirring in your heart, but there's been so many buts, so many reasons why not. Oh, but my friends, but I'm going to have to stop this. I'm going to let go of this. And what's going to happen? Oh, I want to live the life, you know, FOMO and YOLO and all the other stuff. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're the person that's afraid to take risk and you're trying to do everything safely and that sounds really good and I kind of want to do that but it's going to risk a lot in my life and it's going to risk my feelings and it's going to risk, you know, I'm going to have to put myself out there. It's too risky so I'm not going to do it. Maybe you're the person that has been so busy and so consumed that you are unavailable to God interruptions. You're so caught up that there is no room for God to do anything. There's no room for God to use you. There's no room for God to put anything in your hand that he can trust you with. I don't know who you are and what, which one of those categories you are today, this morning. But I want to encourage you to just pray to God right there where you are. And the song is going to begin to play and Listen, I don't pretend to know where you are or what you're dealing with or struggling with. I know what I'm dealing with. I know and I can tell you that fear is a big problem for me. Every time I feel ready, I've always got a reason why not. Every time God calls me, I've always got 15 reasons why not. 
fear cripples me and I know it and I'm struggling and I'm like, God, I need you to help me overcome this fear because you did not give me a spirit of fear. So I know that I struggle with that. I don't know what you struggle with. I know that lately with kids and a job and church, I'm one of those people that sometimes has no room for interruptions. It's like, hey, if I've got to, if I got to spend an extra 10 minutes in the bathroom, that's ruined my whole day because I've got a plan. I got a plan. I got a timeline to stick to. I don't know where you are, but I want you to just speak to God right where you are. Speak honestly. No one's going to hear you. No one's here to single anyone out. We're not here to put you out there because we all struggle. We all got issues. We all got things that we need God to handle to help us be better. But I want you to speak to God right where you are. And the worship team is going to sing this song over you, and I want you to receive it. And, and I say receive it because I want this to be like something prophetic to you. Sometimes we hear songs that sound good, but we don't really feel that way. But today I want you to receive this like something that you may not feel in this moment, but something that God is going to release over your life. That you will no longer be crippled by fear, but that you will know who you are, that you will know who you belong to, that you will know who called you, and that you will stand firm, that even if you don't know, you know that the one who made the universe is backing you up.